<laughs> oh man, I gotta give it up to my wife, Judy Floreal. She was like my little Tony Robbins motivational speaker. I've been literally sitting here trying to record the intro to this next Hangry and Horny podcast. And I'm like a deer in headlights. I've been recording over and over, keep messing up, starting all over. And she's like, get in there. You can do it. You can do it. One take. Doing punch combinations. And uh, yeah, it's just hilarious. So I'm just going to speak from the heart. It's been one crazy ass year. 2020 has just been filled with chaos, but also filled with beauty. I had just been recently married to the love of my life, Judy Flo Real. Got married in Ireland back in September. And speaking of getting married, my really good bud, Nima Kalilion, he was on the Hangry and Horny podcast, episode 24 and 25. It was a two-part series in which he uh, discusses his life the challenges that he's gone and uh, how he was over to over he was able to overcome them including almost facing a life imprisonment so Nima being the great friend that he is has uh, always surprised me uh, last year he came to the International Magic Flow Bus event that I held in Belfast and Bangor Northern Ireland it was a total surprise. Didn't think that he would be here for that. And then he surprised me for my wedding. So, and why I'm saying that is that what we've been told of what's going on in this world during the global pandemic and lockdowns, there seems to be a, a total mismatch in in the accuracy of reporting. And I'm, we're not saying that the virus doesn't exist, that it hasn't had an impact on many people's lives uh, and family and friends and, you know, the amount of lives that have been lost. But there's just been too many questions uh, rather than answers in regards to the reporting. So with that being said, um, I'd like to introduce my next guest, Nima Kalilian. He uh, just recently wrote the book, The Art of Interpretation. And uh, essentially, he's describing his version of how the mind works and how the mind has the ability to manipulate us. But if we become conscious of it, we can use the mind to reshape our reality to live a life of freedom. So what does that mean? It means that we need to question what's going on in the world. We need to question our even our own version of reality. But we most importantly need to question the, the reality of politicians and even the government, even so-called health experts, even scientists. We need to question everything. We need to think critically and not take information as uh, blindly you know it's just been too crazy of a world and that's the whole point of hangry and horny 
is to have these hard discussions, to have these long-form conversations, to discourse, to debate, rather than censor. And anytime you start censoring information, even you know, so-called misinformation or disinformation, we render slippery slope of, you know, controlling information. And, and that's scary because, you know, we need to, we need to get to understand and decide for ourselves through freedom. And that's why I love the U.S. Constitution and what the founding fathers have created for this idea of America and democracy and to to censor information to essentially control it it's just it's not a good thing and i personally feel that we need to have that freedom even if the information can be dangerous to some people that are naive that's the risk that comes with having freedom and so Without further ado, I'd like to introduce my next guest, Nima Kalilian, as he launches his new book, The Art of Interpretation, A Guide to Remembering Rules of Reality. And he has been so generous because during this time, we need to have these tools to be able to discern and critically think for ourselves and I can't think of a better book right now for people to go out and purchase on Amazon, whether it's the printed or ebook form. But Nima has been so generous that if you go onto his website, nimasinterpretation.com, that's N I M A S I N T E R P R E T A T I O N. Dot com nimasinterpretation.com you can actually get a free audiobook read by Nima himself just because he feels this information needs to get out to the world so without further ado please enjoy this episode of Hangry and Horny with Nima Kalilian Safu, got a problem? Call me. Call me. <laughs> What's up, bro? How you doing? Doing great. How are you? It's awesome to have you here in Ireland. Yeah. Twice in like six weeks or something, or two months. Mm-hmm. Yep. How Came long around. ago was the last podcast we did together? You know. So the last podcast I think was uh, two years ago. Damn. I believe. Uh, rebooting Hangry and Horny with you, yeah. uh, with your book launch, everybody. The Art of Interpretation with Nima Kalilian. It's launched. It's yes. launching to the stratosphere. We'll talk more about it. 
absolutely. So essentially, uh, that was the last time we chatted. You were in the process of writing the art of interpretation, mm -hmm. and now you actually have the book in print, also an audio book. Correct. And uh, for anybody that doesn't know the context of your story, they can go to that uh, hangry and horny. Uh, two episodes of so part one and part two mm -hmm. and uh, that kind of gives like the background story of uh, Nima's life and how he came to this understanding of uh, the unwritten rules of interpreting reality is that correct yeah for the most part yeah just uh kind of had some great experiences that showed me what we are at our root and then I wanted to see what all the layers were that created all the different stories and identity and all that stuff that we attach ourselves to and yeah had a deep dive and some really awesome experiences that have taught me some great things and a lot of them we spoke about on your podcast right and right. um yeah now here it is a guide for you to see what each moment of your life what's happening in each moment of your life and yeah some more stuff that we'll i'm sure get into yeah as we so carry for on. example um you know like how we actually uh filter reality through our lenses right mm -hmm. and so you have a almost of a schematic type of way of of seeing you know if we were a processor or a computer and you had like sensors for all of our senses whatnot and when we're on whatever situation in life or we're kind of taking in an input into our body through our senses and combine that with our subconscious programming so everything that we learn from like evolutionary biology to uh things that we learned in our environment through like our guardians and uh through education through media through everything that we've ever learned and processed through life so is that correct for those of you that don't know tony actually proofread my book that's why he knows, all this <laughs> shit. He, he knows it quite well that yes. is correct yeah it's twice twice two twice. times yeah yes. so um yeah that's that's correct looking at our perception and how our perception is developed how our perception changes over time through different experiences and um very much looking at how a lot of that most of that happens subconsciously and um yeah we have the ability to go back in and yeah further enforce the things that we we like and the things that we we don't like about our patterns our habits um we can rewire it and it's simple but it's not always easy so yeah if it's worth it to you you can put in the work Otherwise, um, yeah, I feel like myself and most people have spent a lot of their life just uh, saying, this is who I am, this is how it is, this is what it is, and they further reinforce that belief by continuing to act in the same way. And that's fucked me up a lot of times in my life. And I, um, yeah, I, it took serious circumstances for me to finally look in the mirror and recognize that I was stepping up to the plate bases loaded and when the pitcher threw the ball i wasn't even taking a swing and i just went why is that happening why is it when i have 
these opportunities and I know what I want to do and I know that I'm capable, that I'm falling short on taking the necessary action that I know deep within me um, what I need to do. And yeah, that will go into that in the book as well. And well, you said capable, so I mean, many people probably think that they're not capable, so you actually during those times where you're, you know, stepping up to the plate, bases loaded, you know, in life, you actually have this idea or a thought that you're, you are capable or yeah. it just depends. Or sometimes you're like, I'm not capable. You have that kind of negative self-talk. You know what, um, for me personally, and I think you could relate to this too. And it's one of the things that I bond with you over. So I meet a lot of people that I see and I go, oh shit, once he or she recognizes how fucking awesome they are, they're about to jump to the next level. For me, and I think for you in a lot of cases, it's like I look in the mirror and I'm like, damn, that guy is fucking awesome. And I spent a lot of my life feeling like other people weren't seeing that. And there was a lot of, yeah, a lot of, moments in my life where my surrounding environment was giving me feedback that I wasn't enough or I wasn't capable. And there were moments where I believed it. And that's one of the big things in this book is recognizing the power of belief, because when you believe something, it affects your expression and it affects what you're willing to do, not do what you're willing to go for in your life. Um, and, yeah, I, I had a lot of my life where I felt like others weren't seeing how awesome I was. I see a lot of people that don't see how awesome they are, and I'm like, you're fucking awesome. Um, just see it. For me, I spent a lot of my life feeling the other way. And, and over the last couple of years, I got to say, most people tell me I'm awesome, and I, I've known that for a long time. So to all you watching, I'm fucking awesome. Remember that. Remember that. <laughs> <laughs> You're awesome, man. Thanks, man. You are so awesome, man. And the audience, students, studio audience back there. They're awesome. Yes, awesome. And um, yeah. yeah, last night was Thanksgiving in Northern Ireland. Might have been the first time a Thanksgiving dinner's ever been had in Northern Ireland. We don't know. We can't confirm or deny that. But Tony's wife, Judy, knocked it out of the park. It was awesome. I'm married now. He's married. You, <laughs> in case you guys missed it, he had to uh, put everything on hold and create a life for himself, you know? That happens. Yeah, well, that's the example of what you're talking about because of uh, 2020 and this crazy year that we've all had on the planet and mm -hmm. with, uh, COVID and lockdowns and, you know, censorship and big polarization with uh, the media and, and politics and uh health education or the lack of health education and whatnot but um you know as example that when you are willing to step out there with your neck and just follow your gut instinct that it's possible to actually have things work in your favor when people are telling you that it's not possible with public health and you know, some of the regulations and the lockdown, but we were able to have like a wedding in such short notice in Northern Ireland and travel 
uh, you know, which a lot of people from America around the world are like, how did you do that? Right. How is that mm-hmm. possible? And, and the thing was like, you know, people that were close to me chose to stay back and understandably so they, you know, were concerned about, you know, this sort of virus and disease and, um, but that was their reality. Whereas for you and I, we were like, we've traveled a lot. We've been to places. We, we know how this works. And, and, uh, so I came over once, uh, the lockdowns were lifted and travel and was able to quarantine myself. And within a few weeks, get married to my wife, Judy. And, you know, the best part was that I only had, uh, you know, Scott Riley, who was the initial person that uh, I came here to visit. Um, He was my best man and he was going to be the only person representing my side. Um, And then, you know, Judy and I go over to Scott's place to have some tea. And all of a sudden they're looking like kind of through me and past me in the kitchen and I'm like, what the heck are they looking at? And I feel this hand on my shoulder and I turn and it's you, man. And I'm like, holy shit, dude, what are you doing here? And I was like, of course, right? Like this is further reinforces that despite what we hear in the media, despite, you know, what people are saying, um, you know, if you feel it, you're you have that gut instinct, that intuition saying like, Hey, I have to act. I need to like jump through this, this hole, this hoop, that this door that opened up, I got to take it. And you and I have done that plenty of times. So it was kind of like second nature. And, um, so I wasn't surprised, even though I was surprised and it was like one of the best things that could happen. And, and, you know, made me feel so good to have you there at the wedding with Scott. And then of course, you know, all of uh, Judy's side and, and, um, it was just a a beautiful moment, uh, considering the type of year that's gone on. So, you know, you, before you came out were, you know, basically, on a motorcycle diary trip, like the art of a uh, most motorcycle diary. Is that the name of the book? It's called Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Yeah, exactly. So you were out there uh, during California lockdown. You, you and your uh, your film guy, camera guy, went out on two motorcycles. My brother, man. My yeah. brother, man, Ryan. Ryan, right? Yeah. And uh, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, just to give people some context to that, I was actually in Europe. I was in Milan the day that the whole like massive Lombardy, um, just tons of people started dying and Milan was considered a red zone and like the, the peak of it all in the world of the virus, I should say. And I was going up to see my parents in Switzerland and yeah, I ended up flying back to the States on March 10th. And then March 11th, the United States uh, added those travel restrictions, which worked out really well for me because when I went on March 10th, people were freaked out to fly. So the airports were completely empty. And then on March 11th, there's just video of thousands and thousands of people all swarmed in there. And yeah, didn't look ideal. Um, so yeah, I came back and 
I said, oh shit, what's this? This seems like it's gonna be really bad. And um, so, yeah, I did what I thought was responsible and stayed either in my house or on my motorcycle in nature away from everybody. Didn't want to risk putting anyone at risk. I didn't know what was gonna happen and um, just felt like I had to be responsible with it. And they told us it was gonna be two weeks and I sat back and waited two weeks and then they said it was gonna be longer. And at some point I had to kind of gauge for myself and see what made sense. And after about another month, I just went, okay, um, these things aren't adding up to me. They're not adding up. So, um, yeah, I decided, so Ryan and I had already planned to do this cross country motorcycle trip and started a company called Shifting Fears. And the basis of that was to immerse ourselves in different environments and kind of show by example that we are able to adapt and we don't need to hang on to one particular identity and say, no, I'm not, not going to go be a cowboy because I'm from L.A. or I'm not going to go be a yogi because I was just a cowboy. But to be able to fully dive into an experience and feel it and... Um, and we said, okay, with all this that's going on, what do we do? And for us, it felt like um, it was more important than ever. When I was looking at what was going on in Los Angeles, I said, okay, you're telling me that it's not safe for people to be around one another. So you're going to close small businesses so I can't go to my mom and pop hardware store anymore but now there's like 300 people at Home Depot all gathered together how does that make sense uh, how is that beneficial for people Walmart is packed at this time in all the fast food restaurants nobody was wearing a mask and um the, those lines were packed too and that's that's kind of the thing for me um, when I see people holding on to conflicting ideas and seeing them both as true it it just kind of weirds me out so if somebody's telling me yeah like my my grandma can die if I go near her and then they say okay i'm just gonna go near them once in a while and i go okay um so where do you where do you draw the line like are you either gonna stay away from them because you're afraid that they're gonna die or are you going to be around them um when i see the world health organization come out in april and say asymptomatic carriers it's extremely rare for asymptomatic asymptomatic carriers to be able to transmit the virus and then I see a bunch of news articles come out saying, okay, if that's the case, then why do we need masks? Why do we need stay-at-home orders? Why do we need social distancing? If you're sick, stay home. And um, those who are yeah, predisposed, um, people who are at risk, we would say, let's make sure to allocate 
the right resources to take care of these people. But it didn't seem to move in that direction. And as time went by, it was more and more of that stuff when, when we'd see vitamin D had a hugely beneficial, um, was hugely beneficial for keeping people from hospitalization, being hospitalized. Um, and, and we see nothing about that on television telling us, hey, let's boost up our vitamin D. Or, um, hey, there's people with diabetes and they're at risk with this thing. People are stuck at home. Let's go ahead and put something up for, like, a, a instead of showing me Judge Judy, show me some, like, workout stuff or nutrition stuff, like something to kind of help the health of the people. And this was one of so many things, so so many things that I saw and it just didn't make any sense for me. And um, yeah, I spoke to Ryan about it and it didn't make sense for him either. And then we said, hey, you know what? We're, we're gonna continue on with what we're planning to do. And obviously, um, if we're camping, we're not around anybody, and we were using a program called Workaway, which is kind of like an Airbnb, but instead of paying for it, you, um, instead of paying for a room, you find people who have jobs they need help with, and you can go help them, and they'll give you food and housing, and we thought, okay, that's fucking awesome, because we can dive into real-life experiences that are completely outside of our normal day-to-day -day and see what that's like. The experience was amazing. Each, each person we met was amazing. It really opened my eyes to different kinds of people. And um, the biggest thing for me, I would say, is being able to go to different cities and states and see how the culture was dealing with COVID-19. And that was pretty fascinating because you'd go to, from LA where it was, it had gotten to a point and it still is very strict and people are very concerned. And then you go to Encinitas an hour and a half south and there were thousands of people on the beach barbecuing, not wearing masks, living their lives. Then you go to Nevada and we were staying on a ranch with three people. The nearest neighbor was 40 miles away. And I love those people. They were so awesome. And just seeing what it was like to be, um, the guy who owned the ranch, his name was Jerry Elkins. His name is Jerry Elkins. His name is Robert Paulson. But um, yeah, so being with him, we end up, I just got to see someone who was fully immersed in a life of, he was a hot air balloon pilot. He was a cave explorer and had found caves that were un, untouched at that time. And was, yeah, working in the banks. And all of a sudden this guy's living on a ranch and just had this time to think for himself, had such beautiful insights. And um, yeah, so I got to see what it was like in Nevada. I got to see Las Vegas Strip completely empty at that time. They, everything was closed. Um, and then you see the culture of how they're dealing with it. Then all of a sudden you're in Sedona, Arizona. And over there was, yeah, I think the people there were more along the lines of do as you will. And Can you we'll speak up a little bit? Yeah, I was saying, um, 
in Sedona, Arizona, people were more along the lines of just do what you will and we'll respect one another. If, yeah, if you want to gather, you gather. If you want to stay away from each other, you do that. And yeah, every place we went to, New Mexico had a completely different way they were dealing with it. Utah, Idaho, when I was in Provo, Utah, there, at this point, like, people were really freaked out all around and the, the media was really pumping a lot of fear. But when I was in Provo, you would have had no idea anything was happening. There was thousands of people out. Every restaurant was packed. Nobody was keeping any distance. Nobody was wearing any masks and they just seemed happy and they were living their lives. Only people you saw wearing masks were people who worked in restaurants and stuff. But yeah, you would have had no idea. And um, yeah, it, it just kept going each place. Colorado, Idaho was completely different. Oregon was something else. Washington was another way. And um, it seemed like everywhere you went, the people in that bubble thought they were doing it right and everybody else was either not doing enough or doing too much. And that was really fascinating for me. And um, I've also got to have that experience traveling to Europe now and going to Northern Ireland going to the Netherlands, going to Germany, going to Italy, going to Switzerland, um, back over here. And it's also very interesting because new information keeps coming and then people start, like the whole culture shifts, you know? Like information reaches the masses through the media, things are accepted, culture shifts. So what Northern Ireland was when I first got here is different now. Actually today is the first day of them going back into a uh, lockdown that they're doing. So yeah, I've kind of got to experience that and it's been very just amazing and very unique to be able to bounce into all these different places and see yeah. the perception at Absolutely. that time. Yeah. You definitely have a unique uh, vantage point being a traveler in both North America and Europe mm -hmm. during this time. And we're in November 2020 right now you started traveling back in march was it well you April. were in italy okay but even before that yeah so you were in <laughs> the red zone mm -hmm. the epicenter supposedly in milan back mm -hmm. in march so you're already like in the midst of it and you saw i mean talk about unique vantage point like you were actually there where you know one of the worst hit places in the world next to China. So, I mean, just fascinating. And, and your ability for you to like border hop, jump from place to place and see it firsthand, whereas that was my litmus test was to not rely solely on the media and, you know, all the different sources of media, whether it was on TV, radio or internet, but to actually reach out to people that were on ground level in different places on the planet and ask them like, what, what was it like for all my medical friends that are nurses and doctors? What's it like in the trenches? And is it matching what we're being told by the news outlets? And a lot of them say, no, we're just kind of sitting here bored. And I'm thinking like, well, there's so many people that need medical care but can't get it because they're specifically focused on coronavirus 
And um, so it was just interesting for me to hear all the different perspectives of people that are out there in the world in the trenches. And you obviously have one of the most wide range experience in various places in the planet, you know, uh, during this, the last, you know, more than six months. So, yeah, definitely. And, um, it's been very interesting to just watch the fear and watch the disconnect from a lot of people and um yeah it's there's so much information coming right now a lot of it conflicting and i think if you ask anybody they just want to do what's best for everybody you know so and then i just see some people who say oh this this isn't what they said it was which it isn't initially they estimated up to two and a half, 2.4 million people in the United States dying from it. Um, they started counting presumed COVID deaths, people who hadn't tested positive for COVID-19. And yeah, I remember in April, New York added 3,700 to their death toll for presumed COVID deaths. Um, and I'd see certain people seeing that kind of stuff and getting infuriated with other people who were yeah kind of um going along with the guidelines that they were receiving from their governors and their mayors and then i'd see and i still do see people who are going along with those guidelines who are infuriated with people who aren't going along with those guidelines and um yeah i see a lot of division being created from that stuff and I really had to accept that for myself, I had to make a choice for myself. And I think authenticity is very important, particularly now. Um, Cause I feel like a lot of people are acting certain ways because they want to gain approval from the people around them or not be ridiculed. And yeah, when I'm traveling, I'm doing this stuff. A lot of people are talking to me, you know, a lot of people. And a whole bunch of them are, I'd say the overwhelming majority of them that I've spoken to have said to me, something's not right about this. This doesn't even make any sense. And everybody has their own point that they'll say, what the heck is going on with this? This doesn't make sense, you know? Um, and... But then they tell me, yeah, you know, I just do this stuff because I don't want anyone to say anything to me. And um, yeah, for me, I felt like I had to be true to myself. I couldn't, in this moment, it feels like a very big moment. There was, when was this? In maybe early April, just before I started this trip. I I just had this moment where I went, holy shit, I'm sitting here watching Netflix, trying to pretend like life is normal, and over half the world's population is locked in their homes right now. 
this is fucking crazy. Like this isn't, this is one of those you can run but you can't hide situations because it's happening everywhere. I'd never seen anything like that. And I don't know if there ever has been anything like that. I don't know during the Spanish flu times how much they didn't obviously didn't have the internet. I don't know if they could reach everybody and have this happening. Um, but yeah, I'd never really seen anything like this before. And yeah, I would sit with some people who were really frustrated because they'd seen enough of being told that things are one way and it not being that way. They'd seen enough of censorship of doctors and nurses and people from say YouTube and YouTube is saying we're removing anything that isn't in alignment with what the World Health Organization has to say. And you go, well, I'd like to hear what that doctor has to say. They say no. And then the World Health Organization in a lot of cases would change their stance to be in alignment with what that person that you censored a month or two ago said way back then. And um, yeah, I see a lot of frustration with that kind of stuff. And people kind of were taken out on, on one another. And I would tell people, listen, man, if, if you're not in alignment with the mass or the social distancing, if you don't think that this is, this is the way to go, you have to understand that those people that you're you're getting angry at who are doing those things, they are bombarded with that information from everywhere they look and they're just trying to do what they think is right right now. When they open their phone, they're being told that you're gonna kill your grandma and then they put it on TV and it's telling them to save lives. And every outlet that they look at for information is reinforcing this into their reality which is pretty fucking crazy because when I wrote this book, it was really breaking down information and how it affects your reality. And there was a section in the book, I was actually recording the audio book in LA in April. So all this stuff already started. And, you know, I don't remember every line that I wrote, but now I'm reading it for the audio book and I just, yeah, it got to this point where it was talking about when you believe something, if enough people believe something and if someone has enough gravity to be able to impact a large group of people and these people accept that as true, then they'll begin living their lives as if it is true. And if they do that, it's going to be true to them because they're experiencing and they believe it. But now you are changing the culture of, a, of an environment and if you if i may interrupt because you just said culture and that root is cult so back to like we didn't think that that many people would fall under this kind of spell per se like we're questioning you know obviously uh there's something going on where people are getting sick right but the fact that the whole world as a like just bought into this without questioning that they got this information i never thought that the whole world could had potentially be under a spell of like a cult leader or a cult where they take the information without like questioning it and so that for me that blew my mind so uh, back to what you're saying i i would say so i was saying when you change a culture and the environment has changed. Even the people who are skeptical are now, so enough people believe what this person who has an impact says, 
and they they all change their expression because they accept that is true and then you have these outliers or these people on the fence who are actually questioning stuff but then they step out and say well everyone around me is acting this way this has to be true like i i have to have to accept this is true and um yeah and then I, i'm like recording the audiobook and i'm just like holy shit i'm i'm looking at this happen right now like fuck but um yeah there's something that you said right now um that i wanted to go into your yeah. oh right so one of the biggest things um for me is when this first started people said we just need more information we don't know yet and fuck me man i'm i wasn't gonna sit there and risk killing anybody at the beginning that's insane you know like do we what we were told this was like i i yeah i'm not taking any chances but i'm definitely gonna sit back and observe and i'm not gonna get emotional people who know me closely know that i'm just smoking a cigarette and riding the motorcycle and watching the show you know so like i'm gonna go one day but if i felt that my impact and what i'm doing was putting others at risk um i'm going to have to see what kind of a risk that is you know i i don't know what happened to people where they stopped questioning like you said because at first yeah, let's sit back and see what happens. We don't have enough data yet. That's so right. we need to sit back and see what happens because if this is what you're saying it is, then a lot of people are going to die and it's extremely stupid of us to just say, eh, you know? But then information started coming in and not information from like some tinfoil hat person. It was from the CDC, from the World Health Organization. Stuff starts coming in. And you're looking at the fatality rate for this and it's, yeah, it is so much lower than we thought. And um, that's great. That is fucking awesome. Like, we're good. But people, I guess they just accepted what life is when they were in that moment of fear and they weren't ready to look at something else. I don't know. But then the other thing is, like this massive push on the internet, on TV, that was calling anybody who questioned anything a conspiracy theorist and is trying to discredit people from asking questions. And people that know me know that, like my dad knows, he owned the clinical laboratory and he had all these different little beakers that they would collect blood with and i had one of each and we didn't have much money so i took a piece of paper and folded it four times over so it was a little thicker and i made holes in it and i put those beakers in there and i taped it on my wall so i had my little beaker set right there and i just told my dad dad when i get older and i'm a tiny little kid then i said i'm gonna be a scientist and um when i was yeah when i was tested in school they found that I was gifted in mathematics and science. So they put me in a magnet program for that. And I always loved it. So for me, yeah, I, I'm 
absolutely going to look into stuff and I'm going to very, get as much information as I can. And particularly when it's something of this magnitude, I'm definitely going to get as much information as I can because the whole world is affected by it. Um, I'm part of an ethics committee for um, a nasal sino group. It's a group of doctors who have had work from COVID-19 published in Lancet Medical Journal um, that included finding out that we our sense of smell and taste is affected by uh, COVID-19. They just had a new a new study published in another medical journal um, talking about the efficacy of masks and a call to action to the World Health Organization that you can't just say wear a mask. Like there needs to be, it needs to be much more than that. You, if someone's taking their mask and putting it in their glove box or in their cup holder or in their pocket that's dirty and putting that back on their face and creating humidity, that is heavily increasing their chances of getting sick. So there's eight of us on that group. And um, yeah, they put me on because I wrote the book on the, they needed someone from philosophy, like, and they, yeah, I've been on there. So I've gotten to see a lot of studies. Uh, there's a study they're looking to um, get published right now, which is on antibodies. And from the tests that they've done, um, how long the percentage of people that they've seen, how long their antibodies have stayed and things of that nature. And um, yeah, my cousin was in the front lines in Italy. Um, he's a doctor over there and he's a ear, nose and throat doctor. And, and this virus is yeah, basing itself in the respiratory system. So he was just in there seeing a lot of people die. And, um, sat down with me and yeah shown me a lot about this virus and i would say obviously there are there are doctors who know more but i i would definitely say that i i know more than just a random person in the street for sure and um well the thing is like a lot of the healthcare professionals are afraid to speak out because of their livelihood you know, and a lot of people are struggling financially, obviously, through this uh, global pandemic. And it's sad that so many people want to say something. Um, point number one. Point number two is that we understand history of certain uh, countries. And, you know, your parents came from Iran. And, you know, if you've been over there and seen what lack of freedom is like and censorship. And so these are all like sort of red flags for you, but also for me, because my grandfather was a Filipino scout that fought the the Japanese in World War II, you know, and so he understands what propaganda is like and, you know, when a particular program takes over a culture and the people in that culture go along with it. And so, you know, it makes us wonder, like, how people in Germany or Japan would go along with their political propaganda to, to go after 
the world and their resources and to to kill a, you know millions of innocent people right so to have the question of like what's going on is to me very proper but to be treated as a black sheep you know just to even throw the question out you know and to be like censored and to be ridiculed and to be blackballed and that makes me scratch my head you know when all these factors are happening and then on top of it we have black lives matter going on with the unfortunate police brutality at george floyd and then the polarization of the politics and the sort of split between Republicans and Democrats and like what they believe and how they could even work together to get people taken care of, you know, financially during these times. So there's so many things happening, including like mental health things and suicide. And so back to like, what you're talking about in regards to, you know, hearing firsthand from your, your cousin from Italy, he's a medical doctor who specializes in respiratory uh, symptoms and illnesses. And he's telling you like his version. And he was actually like in the early stages, like on board as all of us, because we didn't know like what was going on and we were going to follow until more data came in, more information. And then that's when in plain black and white, we could see for ourselves, like it doesn't make sense to continue these stringent lockdowns. The WHO changed their stance saying that the damage economically and on mental health is going to be worse than the actual pandemic of people um, falling to that. So, and not to say that like people can't pivot, like the problem for me is when the media jumps on it because they know that that grabs attention and, you know, attention is a big currency these days, especially with social media and and media outlets, the old media is dying out. So they're going to be opportunists to create clickbait headlines. And if it bleeds, it leads try to get people to like tune in so for me as i'm watching this we have complete empathy for like what's going on you know like but at the same time we're not like blindly giving in to you know the political propaganda and the um sort of since everybody else is following the uh the ordinance and guidelines around like social distancing and and masking it's for us it's like well we want to see more evidence and why is that the evidence is being censored and only certain people that have fact checking credibility um can dictate like what information we can see so again it's just all red flags for me you know because this had happened in history, but we seem to have a short attention span or a short memory of what that means or what that can happen to us as a whole, as society, as a, as a world. So 
um, for, for me to see people just blindly following or refusing to have these kind of discourse and conversation. It's another red flag. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, I can tell all you guys that from my travels, not just during this, but in my life, and I've traveled quite a bit, people all over the world are looking to love and be loved. They're looking for hap happiness and the safety of their families. And yeah, it's a experience this awesome experience of life and it's it's such a gift to to have this opportunity um but then i just see so much information of these people don't like you because you're from this place or these people don't like you because your skin color is like this or you're this gender or you believe in this religion and there are people that exist like that for sure they do um but you really need to question what is going to impact your life more is it the random person who's going to be an asshole to you because they don't like the color of your skin or they don't like the way that you look or the way you express yourself or is it the belief that's given to you from the the environment around you that's telling you that people don't like you and every time you step into something you feel like you're you're a step below everybody else and everyone else is looking at you and just wants the worst for you and and you begin to develop this confirmation bias where you're looking for any information in your environment to reaffirm something you currently believe that may in that moment be that people don't like me and I'm not good enough and it's not going to work out for me because of whatever it is, my gender, my race, my religion, my beliefs, that will cripple a person. The culture we're immersed in is so, so important. If, if you're surrounded by supportive people, you've got a much better chance of succeeding in your life than if you're surrounded by people that are telling you that they're trying to create a victim mentality in you, you know? And this is coming from somebody who lived in that headspace for so much of my life. And a lot of people don't want to hear it, but it's such a great thing to hear. You have so much more influence on your life than people will lead you to believe. And that's fucking awesome. And when you recognize that and you go for it, beautiful shit will come from it. You will have massive transformations in your life. I did. Um, if you guys have heard my previous interview, um, interviews with Tony, you'd know how much pain I was feeling. And right now I'm almost like, almost tearing up just because of how fucking happy I am to be alive in the life that I'm living and how it's shaped up. It's so cool. It's so fucking cool. But when I had this belief that people hate me and like I said earlier in the show when I was sitting there and I had this belief that people just don't see how good I am, that's all I would recognize was that. And it was, I was crippling myself. I was knocking myself down. And 
when I just went, man, I'm going to be me. And I took the time to see who me really is, got away from all the shit that I was told I have to be, I have to do, I have to value, I, I need to want, and this is what success is. And when, when I just stepped away from all that and got to know myself again, I just, yeah, found that kid that was in me, you know, that kid that just wanted to play and just wanted to love and have a great time in this, this experience of life. But now I had this wisdom of an adult with me too. And, um, yeah, life, life drastically changed after that moment. But yeah, a lot of us get pulled into so much shit. Look, I, I don't want to be insensitive for anybody if they if they feel hurt from experiences that they've been through. If any of you have me on Facebook, you can look at my profile picture, and it won't be it won't be very hard for you to imagine me getting bullied when I was a kid. Um, I went through all that shit, but that was life, man. That was just life. You know, you're living it. And it's it's really interesting when it comes to like describing myself in interviews or um, I plan on writing another book that will be more autobiographical and thinking like, what am I going to talk about? Because that's a very interesting thing. Or if you ask somebody, oh, tell me about yourself, you can kind of see where their pattern recognition is set to subconsciously. Because when I used to describe myself, all I ever talked about was the painful moments. And that's all I remembered. And I really had to sit back and remember how many fucking awesome moments I had, how many great people I've met in my life, even in the moments when I said that life sucked, you know? And just how powerful our mind is, really, and the reality that it creates for us. That's the kind of stuff I talk about in this book. And um, I really, yeah, when I, when I put the book together, I was very excited to get it out to people. Um, I was going through a big transformation in my own life while I was writing the book. And I needed to put what I wrote in that book to use to be able to even take the steps that I was taking in that moment of my life. And um, yeah, I... I got to a point during this year and the division that I've seen created on so many levels that I just said this information needs to be available to everybody and whoever's ready to take it in, they can. So um, yeah, I created a website that kind of breaks down different things that I'm working on from shifting fears to a bit about myself. Um, yeah about the book too and i put an area where for anyone who couldn't afford it they could just put in their email and i'll send them a link to the audiobook directly so that the information wasn't it was so readily available that it's just on you to get it and comprehend it and there's a lot of information um might take pausing and really reflecting on these things and and sitting with it but it's there, and um, I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you that 
you absorb that information and your life will drastically change. And again, like I don't give a shit about the money. I don't give a shit. You can go buy it if you want to. If you want a paperback, go buy it. If you want the audiobook, it's available to you right now. And you can go yeah, to, for free on your website. For free on my website right now. You go to nemasinterpretation.com, theartofinterpretation.com, nemakalilian.com. Any of those will redirect you there. And it's there for you. Like, I, man, I have such a fucking gift of a life. I, I do not need anything. And, um, yeah, I know if I'm homeless in the street walking, I will be so grateful for that experience and to fully embrace that experience. At this point, I really, I have two goals in my life. One is to fully experience every moment for myself and the other is to try to help other people get to the state that I got to for myself while I'm doing this. And um, yeah, I, I'm gonna try, whether it was with shifting fears or it was with uh, with the art of interpretation or whatever come next, comes next. I have an animated video that I was talking to you, Tony, about that I'll put together that's going to break down the way that reality is created in 2020. Um, and yeah, I'm just gonna keep doing it, man. I'm, I just got the popcorn, I'm enjoying the show and I'm gonna make my impacts along the way. But yeah, just to close off what we were just talking about there. Everybody, like, how can I say this? I, I empathize with people and the pain they feel and I swear to you that I, I've, if you've listened to the other podcasts, I had half of my my upbringing just completely suicidal you know mm -hmm. just didn't want to be here anymore i went to poland to die when i trained with wim you know i thought i was gonna die there and um i i gotta tell you there was shitty things that happened in my life but it was my interpretation that made it shitty otherwise it was just things that happened in my life and um yeah there's some things that are going to be more pleasant, other things that aren't. But yeah, I, I promise you, you get right with yourself. You you go into your mind a bit and, and recognize just how much power you can have. Because if you don't have it, someone else is going to be able to influence you heavily and, and tell you what to think and tell you what's right and tell you what's wrong and tell you how you're supposed to live your life. And... Yeah, when I've sat down with elderly people, most of them have regrets of things that they didn't take action on in their life. And um, yeah, I, I don't want that for myself. And the way that I've been living, I don't, I have no regrets. Um, when I was on this motorcycle trip, we got to Washington State and um, I was riding my motorcycle through Olympic National Park and doing 70 to 80 miles per hour on the highway there and it's two lanes and a full-grown 200 pound deer jumped out right in front of my bike and it wasn't like it jumped out and i had time to react it was in mid-air and uh, yeah the front of my bike hit the deer right in the neck and killed the deer unfortunately and her body swung around and crushed my leg and nearly knocked me unconscious. I was 
the only sense I could feel in that moment was my sense of sight. Couldn't hear, smell, taste, anything. And all I could see, and I could barely see, was asphalt. And um, the last thought I had was, oh shit, I crashed, and I'm just tumbling on the asphalt. And then my thought was gone too. And then all of a sudden, just a snap, everything turned back on, and the motorcycle is still upright and violently wobbling left and right, going into the oncoming lane, which fortunately there were no cars, but going straight into, straight off the road into these trees. And um, instinctively, when the bike was leaned very deeply, I, there wasn't even any thought. There'd just been, at this point, 8,500 miles of riding this bike. I took it as if it was a sharp turn and I accelerated to create centripetal force to straighten the bike out and was able to stop the bike. And then when I tried to put my right leg down to support the bike so I can put the kickstand down on the left side, um, I didn't know how bad my leg was crushed and I couldn't put any weight on it so the bike fell and crushed my leg a second time. Um, the The firefighter who got there told me that three weeks prior, someone on a motorcycle hit a deer half that size and died. They told me that they'd seen over 300 motorcycle deer. He'd, he'd personally seen over 300 motorcycle deer accidents in Olympic National Forest and more than half of them die. And he told me that was the first time he'd ever seen the person not crash the motorcycle out of all of them, which was crazy. It was crazy. Um, and I actually called you when, um, yeah, when when it happened. And, yeah, the point I'm making with that is, like, life can be over at any point. We sit here and we think, I'm going to live to be 80, 90, 100 years old. You don't know that. You do not know that. And what you do while you're here affects this reality it does and um if if you're going to choose to sit back and just accept whatever the tv tells you reality is you you have the right to do that um but i feel like with this virus it's become very clear to me that most people have not come to grips with their mortality. Um, we are going to die. And yeah, that person that you love very much is going to die. And that person that hasn't even come into this world yet that you're going to love more than any of that stuff is going to die one day too. Um, so yeah, ask yourself, what are you waiting for right now? What's the answer? Well, are you waiting for the TV to tell you that it's okay to go back outside now? Um, yeah, I, get, I have a lot of people that say, had people who tell me, yeah, you know, we don't know about this virus. We don't know the long-term effects of this virus yet. And some of those same people have told me, I'm just waiting for the vaccine. When the vaccine comes out, I'm going to get that, and then I'll be good. And I say you don't know the long-term effects of that vaccine. And 
they've already come out and said, hey, the first couple million people are kind of going to show us how this goes. And that's still not even long-term effects, even just the short-term effects of it. So again, it's these conflicting beliefs without questioning. Yeah, or it was okay to go and protest. Yeah, yeah. That was one of the ones, man. That was one of the ones when they said over a thousand health officials, and this is on the news, over you you just told us we're all going to die if we if we do anything we we need to be responsible this and that and then you tell me over a thousand health officials have signed off saying that racism is a much bigger virus much deadlier virus than covid-19 and we support people protesting by the thousands and that's cool if you support people protesting by the thousands but then Right now, California is on a fucking curfew. 10 p.m. to 5 a.m., don't leave your house. Like, there were tens of thousands of people screaming and protesting and marching together over there. I'm all for people coming together in solidarity. I fucking love that. I, I love when people come together. And it looks like most of the shit that they put on TV is made to keep people apart from each other. And that is very interesting to me whatever happens it's trying to spin it and be like this person doesn't get me because i'm different the truth of the matter is we all have so many similarities but no one's ever going to get you and that's the beauty of it this, this is your unique experience and even if i knew everything that you've been through in your life I don't know the interpretation that you made from each experience that you've been in your life. Something that might have been a breakthrough experience for you and you tell me about it. For me, I might be thinking, oh, that's so traumatic and that was terrible. And even if I could understand the interpretation of every experience you have, my definition of the words you use when you explain it to me might differ. And that creates a different... I'll never get you. It doesn't matter. I'll never get you. I'll never get you. And you'll never fully get me. But that's the beauty of it all. At, at the end of the day, what do you want to sit with? Do you, do you want to just try to prove that you're an individual? Because I can tell you, you definitely are. Do you want to see what you have in common with other people? Because there's tons to see. Man, I, I can tell you, life is a fucking gift. It is a gift. It is so awesome that my mouth makes these sounds that go into this microphone and turn into digital code that come out and go into your ear and what's in my head is being transferred into your head right now. That's crazy. That's crazy. And I got to take a piss, so I'll be right back. <laughs> what are you smoking, man? Wow. Oh, yeah, I'd uh, concur with Nima. I mean, seriously... My life has had a lot of ups and downs and, you know, being born and eventually developing uh, hearing issues and then not having a father who had abandoned us by the time or right before I was two. And, you know, just watching my single mom work her ass off with the support of, fortunately, um, her side of the family to like my grandparents and aunts and uncles that were just there to take us in and you know 
being overweight, uh, being overprotected, never being able to leave the house, living in a, a box during the summer and you see all the kids outside playing and just having self-esteem issues and anger issues and taking it out on my sister and you start to question a lot of things and I was definitely suicidal too because I was like what's the point like why am I living this way and I can't tell you how grateful I was to go through those experiences because it sort of like cracked the shell uh, enabled me to kind of see reality I still have vivid memories of my childhood and just kind of how we are as children the ability to see life with such clarity and vividness and then to have that light light dim over time because of you know well-meaning people with their programming interpretations and their perspective on how life should be and how you should live it and anytime that someone tells me that this is how it is or you need to do this immediately the resistance goes up and I'm internally just saying like fuck you and fuck off uh because when I was a kid I had was just so upset that like I couldn't even like finish sleeping in the morning to get the light turned up on me and it's so bright and so unnatural and intuitively it felt wrong to get ready for school which always questioned like why are we even learning this stuff you know and to throw on religion at the same time and it was conflicting because for me I had that experience of connection to the source or God or whatever definition of religion gives to that, that sense, that essence of awareness of how you even know that we're alive right now and how we have the ability to like ask the question and all this programming, all this information was coming in and it was just confusing, you know, but at a certain point, there are moments where I would get into these like incredible, timeless and amazing alive states where I felt like me, you know, and and so throughout my life it was this sort of roller coaster ride of trying to fit in and hating myself because the mind like even if you had people bullying you, like there's no bigger bully than your own mind until you figure out like, hold on a sec, like, why am I, why am I telling me, telling myself these cruel things? Why am I doubting myself? And, and I, I still haven't gotten it down, you know? I'm still hijacked and possessed by that ultra-critical and bullying mind, but I'm better, and now the the breakthrough for me is like, wow, I'm actually improving over time, you know, 43 years on this planet and uh, maybe even more in my mom's belly. But, you know, it's it's incredible to see progress, even if you're just moving, as I always say, like moving the needle of progress, you know, and over time is significant. It's, and 
once you understand that and you understand how powerful like compounding interest is and the ability to create momentum and you know I look forward to failures I look forward to negative feedback from people you know even my own mind because once I see what it is I can go oh that's interesting where is that coming from back to the art of interpretation right it's like huh is that true or is that not true like why would I even say something like that about myself or someone else like how would I know what that person's going through you know in terms of me observing or being judgmental right and so I think this year has been incredible that way because we already been living this life for like many years now, you know, but to do it like consciously and, and to really like step on the gas, you know, to throttle into it even more when everybody's starting to like, or had been withdrawing. But um, the main thing for me is just, just look at like, this information data stream that's coming in through your system and make the decision yourself. Don't let your subconscious take over. You know, you had mentioned that in a previous podcast, like once you are conscious of your subconscious, then you're the one that's writing you know, you're the one that's in control of the bike per se versus the bike is spinning under out of control and, and you feel like you can't do anything about it. And I think that was beauty of your so-called accident, right? It was because you, it was analogous in that way. Like in that moment, you made the choice for some, in a split second of time, you decided to hit the throttle, which was like completely counterintuitive. And maybe it was because of your training before or whatnot, your, your learning of it. But the fact that you're still here is, is like testimony of how one could even change in a split second. Well, that's something I want to point out is, um, there's a lot of talk about, being conscious and being mindful and it's extremely important but the overwhelming majority I've seen 92% I've seen 99% what the number is I don't even know how they come up with that number but the overwhelming majority of our actions our thoughts are operating through our subconscious so mindfulness and being conscious is pivotal because when you become aware of something that's deep in your subconscious, now you're conscious of it and you can work with it. And if you work with it, you can reprogram it and then put it back into your subconscious in the way that you want it to operate. So tweaking those things in the subconscious are massive because we don't have the bandwidth. Our mind doesn't have the bandwidth to be conscious of everything it's doing all the time. It would be too much. But like on that motorcycle, when all that happened, it, I wasn't sitting there doing trigonometry and trying to figure some shit out. I wasn't even thinking. That was a lot of practice. That was a lot of time on that bike. That was 
my best friend, my cousin dying on a motorcycle. So me taking the time to read so many different kinds of writing theory and putting it to the test. So when that moment came, there was one moment that I remember thinking when I snapped back into it. And that was, I was going off the road and my bike is made to be able to go off the road. And I remember just thinking to myself, cause I looked down at it and I knew that there was grass and I went, I need all the traction I can get. So I need to keep this bike upright. So instead of leaning the bike to get it back on road, I lean my body so I can keep the bike upright. And I remember thinking, I have to look where I want to go because that's how my cousin died is, and a lot of people die is they look and they look at what they fear and they go right into it. So I looked at the road and trusted that the rest was going to work out. I looked at my target, I locked in on it and I went for it. And other than that, everything was subconscious. And um, yeah, I think, I've done a lot of that in life too. Looked at things that I was afraid of and just attracted that into my life too. Just took all the necessary actions to make that real and brought it closer and closer to myself. And um, yeah. How was the piss? Fucking amazing. <laughs> I feel like a new man. <laughs> I feel like my voice is a new level of richness to it now. <laughs> what happened to draining the vein? Oh, man, that's sexy water. <laughs> Tony's got this water he makes, and this podcast is sponsored by Sexy Water, <laughs> also known as Slutty Water. <laughs> A.K.A. Slutty Water. Contact Tony <sighs> Fleurial if you want to taste this delicious, minerally rich, and CO2-enhanced H2O. <laughs> Taste Cheers. the slut. Cheers, ladies and gentlemen. You look like uh, the great Gatsby there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, any final words for the audience? Uh, thank you guys for your support and taking the time of your busy lives. Obviously, uh, maybe not so busy these days, but um, we appreciate your attention in this crazy world that's kind of claim everybody's attention you know uh sort of like the manipulation of social media media whatever but um what what are your your thoughts freedom of thought by the way mm -hmm. got this shirt on it says freedom of thought and um yeah tony's trying to cut this short we ain't having that though i got 15 more minutes you ain't taking that from me we're gonna talk, <laughs> we're gonna talk about freedom of thought Go into it, man. All right. So this uh, animated video that I'm going to be creating, and who knows by the time you watch this, maybe it's out already. Um, the title will be something like how reality is created in 2020. It talks about how after COVID-19, people have disconnected to a certain extent. They've spent more time in their homes. They don't really want to be around each other when they're outside people keep their distance they have their masks on their face there's not the communication person to person communication that there used to be is non-existent right now in most parts of the world almost everywhere um, but most certainly so 
if you look at the hunter-gatherer days, they would take in information from their surroundings and they'd speak to one another and that's how they would get their information. As we evolved and mail came to be and newspapers came to be and television and radio and all these things and new forms of communication came, it went from 100% getting our information from our, around, our surroundings and the people around us to a, a chunk of that initially when it first came around going to, oh, like there's this, this radio station I can listen to and people would listen to that and they would upload information into their mind and would shape their perception of reality. As time progressed and internet came to be, there was even more of that, more connectivity, more information being shared, and the ratio started to shift even more. You had people um, less and less receiving information from one another, and more and more receiving information from their televisions and from their computers. And the smartphone came around, and that changed everything because now you had a little portal that would give you information at all times and um we got addicted to it we we got heavily addicted to it now obviously these numbers are just made up but let's say at this point we were at a state in 2019 where we were getting 75 percent of the information of our life from our cell phones from our computers from our televisions from radio and 25% from person-to-person -person interaction. Now in 2020 with COVID-19 and these restrictions that have been put on in most places, most people are getting, what, 99% of their information from their TV, from their computer. They're getting it through their smartphones and a very, very, very small amount is coming from person-to-person -person interaction. And then once you look at, at that point, you need to look at where does the information come from? And um, yeah, if you just, you can go on Google and just put in who owns the media and you'll see that six corporations in the United States own over 90% of the media. And that includes the news, TV shows, movies, newspapers, radio shows. Over 90% is owned by six groups. And it might be five at this point. But we'll say six. So they have the ability to pump information to the masses and create their reality. And now you say, okay, well, now that we're not around each other, our primary source of connecting and sharing information with one another is through social media. And then you look at Facebook and their fact checks, Instagram and their fact checks, Twitter and their fact checks and just removing people, banning people, YouTube just removing doctors telling us, you know, when I go to a doctor and this one tells me one thing, I, I may want to go get a second opinion and the doctor is giving me their opinion. You're just removing it. Google, when you Google something in the searches, the way that the searches come up, it, it heavily affects, if I Google something, I'm not going to go to the sixth page of Google to see what it is. Have you ever done that in your life? I don't think I've ever done that in my life. You know, like even when I had my business and I was working on SEOing to try to get it to the first page, 
I got to the third page of looking and I couldn't find it. I'm like, okay, you don't exist, you know? So what comes up on your searches is heavily going to affect that. Now, add into all of that the algorithms that Facebook uses to give you information that they think you'll want to click on because they want to keep you engaged and you're kept in this little echo chamber bubble that's creating this reality for you. Also, and, priority goes to those that paid for the top of the search engine. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and when someone fact checks something, when, when someone's telling me not to believe something, that's huge. Because as we spoke about before, your beliefs are massive in your life. They're massive. They affect the reality you experience, the way you express yourself, and the reality that other people experience through the expression that you're showing them. So it's huge. So when you have a, just a tidal wave of information coming in through six corporations, and then you have gatekeepers who are deciding what information can be passed through social media platforms, and in a lot of cases, it's a very clear who they're censoring or what agenda or perspective they're censoring, that is... And it's going to create your reality. And when you're not leaving your house and you're afraid that you're going to die or grandma's going to die or any of that stuff, and you just have these people. So I want to tell you guys this. This was, I think this is a good thing to leave it on. Um, there's this book called The Kabbalion. And it's a guide. It's written by these guys called the Three Initiates. And they go over hermetic teachings from over a thousand years ago and um they talk about the all and the all some people call it the source some people call it god it's basically the all-encompassing consciousness or energy that everything manifests from right yeah it's interesting book so it's saying okay there's at the root of everything is energy and they argue that it's not energy and that it's actually consciousness because energy would just be creating by the um, by a set pattern, whereas they say consciousness um, is what it is. But let's say it's energy. They say everything at its root is energy. We've seen that with string theory as well. Um, now, they say through that everything is manifested. It doesn't take anything external there is nothing external from the all because it's the all everything what they are referring to is the energy of everything so for whatever comes into the universe or any reality is coming through this space and they said and i was riding my motorcycle to idaho while i'm listening to the audiobook of this and they said um do humans have anything like that do we have anything where we can create and destroy but it doesn't require anything external it's only internal and i wrote this book you know so i right away i went yep your mind and sure enough they said your mind that's our mind is our closest thing to what the source would be. We have our own little mini source, our imagination, our mind. And um, I can create ideas in my mind. I can destroy things in my mind. And, and it, it can 
physiologically affect me, these, these beliefs and ideas that I'm having. So it was basically saying, oh, you are the God of your own mind. And I remember pulling over at a bus stop and sitting with that and I went, shit, if you're not aware of the manipulation that's happening to your mind from outside sources, then the people that are manipulating the mind, your mind, are the gods of your mind. And they are dictating how that thing operates. So, um, the art of interpretation, a guide to remembering rules of reality, nemasinterpretation.com, nemakalilian.com, theartofinterpretation.com. Get it for free, get it on Amazon, if you're sitting around watching Netflix, give yourself that time and really absorb it. I love all you guys. I don't need to know you. I don't need to know who's listening right now. I promise you I love you. I know we're all soulmates. I've been there and I know it. And um, yeah, thanks for having me, bro. Yeah, anytime, man. Always. It's I uh, can't think of a more timely book for the time that the times that we're living and uh you know just grateful that you you know in two years to uh, uh, made the sacrifices to to get this in print and you know in audio and to make it free for people uh like you said you're not you don't like really, you don't care about the return other than you want to get this message out to anybody that's on the fence when they're even skeptical for those that are just looking for answers in some ways uh, so yeah just grateful that you put it together and it's available um amazon you can go on amazon you can get it on audible you can go to my website and get it for free shit if you have to read it and you can't afford it Go on my website and contact me. I'll send you the digital copy for free. It's all good. We'll, we'll make it happen. Um, I would love to see a world where as many people, I would love to see a world where everybody has this information just ingrained in them and sees the world through that lens because I think it would be very, very difficult for you to be manipulated by others. You would realize some of the key commodities that you possess, one of which you brought up many times during this podcast, which is your attention. And um, yeah, there was something else I did want to tell you guys. Hmm. Well, first of all, like become the God of your own mind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's yeah. so, so freedom of thought. That's what the shirt was about. That's what I was rambling on that whole time is, when you're told what you can and can't believe, what is and isn't true, and you stop questioning things, that's uh, one of the big things that's been conditioned in us since we were in school, is we mistake memorization with intelligence. They tell you who is the blah, 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 and they want you to spit an answer out. Or what is yada, 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 spit that answer out. If you can spit that answer out, then you're intelligent. Now. If you're asked, how is this in relation to that thing? You, most people have no idea because all they're trying to do is memorize what they need to. And um, you see the result of that now. People reading headlines, coming out with 
bullshit slogans, build back better, stop the spread, flatten the curve. And we become, we become mouthpieces for these sources that are sharing this information. And this isn't you, you know, you are, you are doing what you were trained to do. We were all doing it and you can snap yourself out of it and you don't have to like life is beautiful. It's a gift either way. Just realize that a lot of people have just taken in information. They look at something quickly, they absorb it, and then they start spewing it out to everyone else. They immediately accept it as true and they'll fight you if you disagree with them. And, and that's happened on massive scales. We've been told what people are like. Like I, through my motorcycle travels, I've been around all sorts of people. I've been around people who are big time Trump supporters. I've been around people who are hardcore Democrats and are all about that. And they're people. They're awesome, beautiful gifts to this world, people, okay? Um, people can tell you there's all these circle jerks about, yeah, this person's like this because they support that person or this person's like, you don't, you don't know until you get to know a person and um, like I said earlier, people are really trying to trying to make the best out of this experience. And um, yeah, Damn, that was beautiful. Just uh, love your neighbors like you love yourself. You know, it's like so powerful. Yeah, and if you love your neighbors more than love yourself like you love your neighbors, just love. It's good. It's a good thing to do. Absolutely. Thank you again, Yuma, for sharing your yourself with us, giving us your time for coming all the way out to Ireland mm -hmm. to do this and, uh, you know, get his book, everybody, whether it's audio or in print and uh, share as many people and and let's start having these uh, discourse and conversations and, you know, try to understand each other and understand all the different lenses we all operate at and we can still get along and disagree at the same time. That's absolutely fucking right. And that's, I'm so glad you got that into this podcast is you can hear somebody say something that you don't agree with and not agree with it and not lose your shit over it. And just try to surround yourself with people that agree with everything you believe. If everyone believed the same thing and acted in the same way, this would be a really boring life. It's a, it's a gift to be able to, the term I use in the book is open-minded skepticism, to be able to take in information and even if it's outside of your boundaries and something you're not comfortable with, but then to be skeptical and ask questions and try to really get to the bottom of it. Open-minded skepticism and communication, open communication, whether it's with a loved one, with a coworker or with the person you think you hate and then you speak to them and you see, okay, we're all people. Yeah, absolutely. Love you, brother. Love you too, man. Love you, know. you audience. Thanks for your support. And uh, the live audience right behind the camera. <laughs> 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 and uh, thank you guys for tuning in to Hangry and Horny. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the last episode of Hangry and Horny with Nima Kalilion. What a beautiful soul he is. And like he said, if you're interested in getting a free audiobook of The Art of Interpretation, 
go to his website, nimasinterpretation.com. That's Nima, N-I-M-A-S, interpretation.com. Thank you again for all of you who've been my support over the years. It's been so nice to jump back on the Hangry and Horny reboot. I fell off the wagon, such as life. But because of the occurrences of this crazy, chaotic 2020 year, I just felt called to bring back these long-form conversations and discussions, debates. Let's just talk, people, irregardless of our beliefs. You know, irregardless of what side, what team, what label you subscribe to, we're all human in the end. So let's treat each other kindly, with love. And with that, if you love this podcast, and I feel so funny saying this because it's not really me to ask, but please support the podcast by writing feedback, leaving comments, subscribing, liking, even disliking, even giving me critical comments, feedback. All of it is great. I appreciate everything. I appreciate you. I love you. And go out and kick some booty. Love y'all and take care.